Sean. I'm Eds. We're bringing you some baseball. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the storyteller researches the story and the story listener doesn't know what the topic is about. No idea. No idea whatsoever. That is the fun part. We take turns. You excited? I'm excited to hear your story, but before you tell uh, me and them your story, follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and Instagram at Doing.Baseball. You can... Find uh, the information about all our episodes on there and some cool daily uh, baseball history facts. I haven't put a daily history fact in a couple <laughs> months, but uh, also, uh, also, we should we should note it has gained very little momentum, but we are counting down oh, right to MLB's two millionth run. Uh, we don't have a, a, a standing count with us right at this moment, but we're, we're close. We're like a thousand runs away, right? Well, we're less than that. I think we're about 500 runs away. So there by, the you time, go. by the time people are listening to this, it may be happening the day of, or, uh, it could possibly have already happened depending what the run production is like and how many games are played every day. But, yeah. uh, well, last I checked, I think we were about 645 and I think that was at least yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. We were at six forty-five yesterday. So, uh, if you want to follow us on there to this big momentous occasion uh, at MLB two, the number two millionth on Twitter, uh, definitely you know listen to our episode. Uh, what is it? A thousand one million one, little pieces. One million little pieces of candy. Yeah. Um, check that one out. Very excited. Uh, for that, even though nothing's going to happen, unlike what happened back in the 70s yeah, with MLBs. Actually, there's absolutely no fanfare for this occasion this time. <laughs> but, uh, it's just us and like 90 people following our account on Twitter. I don't Twitter. think it's 90. I think it's more like nine. Oh, no, it's definitely closer. Than, it's like 90. It's Anyways. Okay. Um, so I got a story for you. Very excited. <laughs> this one, uh, I actually owe... Uh, to the baseball writer and uh, fantasy writer, baseball fantasy writer, Eno Saris from The Athletic. Oh, okay. So about a year ago, more than a year ago, because it was uh, pre-pandemic, uh, Eno was looking for people to give reviews on beer. Oh, I kind of remember this. Yeah, yeah. So I sent him an email, like stadium beer. So I sent him an email basically saying that the Rogers Center, Skydome, whatever – is awful. It yeah, is just it is. one of the worst. Like I've been to half the ballparks in the MLB and it, it just has, you know, Yankee stadiums pretty bad, but it was pretty much just, you, you can't get anything good and it costs so much. It, it's ridiculous. So mm. I sent, you know, an email being like, yeah, this is garbage. And here's all these great breweries in Toronto that, that could have a, a place there. And, you know, mentioned we do the podcast and he said, that's an awesome idea. I said, do you have a idea for a story? Mm-hmm. Any and, suggestions? Any suggestions? He sent me this. So. Okay. September. Well, thanks, Eno. Yeah. September 6th, 1864. Oh, that's a long time ago. All right. Yeah, we're going way back again. Okay. Uh, Thomas P. Burns, born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
that is according to baseball reference. I believe, though, in my research for this, the Dodgers Encyclopedia by William McNeil, he's listed as being born in 1862. So, okay, so already uh, yeah. a discrepancy in the I history was here. Say, uh, through a lot of the research we've done on older, uh, timey episodes like that, there are a lot of discrepancies in A, birth dates, and B, how many children everybody had. They can't seem to nail either of those two things down. Um, So it was basically impossible to find out anything about his childhood. Uh, His parents were Patrick and Mary Burns. As you can probably guess by the last name, they were both Irish immigrants uh, Mm -hmm. that came to the United States, uh, you know, probably in the 1850s, 1860s. Uh, there was a ton of ton of people coming from Ireland at that time. So Burns was short and stocky. He's a man now. We go right from birth to manhood. Okay. Uh, short and no stocky. No details. No details. There. I got right. nothing. He probably grew up pretty rough. I, he was in Philadelphia, so okay. uh, you know, urban kid. Uh, so he was five foot seven, about one hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, short and stocky, handlebar mustache, and by one account. Looked more like an accountant than a ball player. Who sounds more like an accountant than a ball player? Thomas P. Burns, accountant in right field. So, on the field, though, he was loud, aggressive, and had a very annoying personality. Okay. I'm just like picturing like what seems like the most abrasive person in the world. Just Ex- a short, stocky, mustachioed man. Just that's yelling just at an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so 18- I feel like there's smoke coming out of his ears for some reason. <laughs> Little teapot man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 1883, uh, Burns began his professional baseball career as a pitcher. Uh, he started with Harrisburg, which is, uh, Pennsylvania, capital mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania. Many people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that the, or is that Williamsburg, the little league? Yeah, place? that's Williamsburg. Oh, okay. So this is Harrisburg. Uh, so he was in the minor league interstate association, uh, on the year Burns posted an earned run average of 2.30 over 20 games pitched 15 of which were starts, uh, and when he wasn't pitching, he played a little second base and third. So mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, he's like 17. No, he's 19, sorry, uh, if we're going with the baseball reference age. And he's right. uh, he's doing some good stuff in the minor leagues. Burns early on was known for being a dick. <laughs> As we said. Yeah, and having the occasional outburst. Uh, his on-field... So he's just like a portly kid that's just yeah, yelling yeah. at everybody. So apparently he was a chirper, right? So his on-field chatter was almost endless and <laughs> was known to annoy umpires as well as the other team. So he just... Nobody... We just went at it. He was just the guy Nobody was off limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was a good teammate by most accounts. Uh, and even a leader, uh, though he didn't get along with others. Really, like so, it's a very strange. Well, yeah. So he he sits there, yeah, he chirps, he's just like, "Hey, Pitchy." So he must be good. Yeah, he's good. Like everywhere he goes, he's team captain until he fucks it up somehow. <laughs> until he pisses everybody. <laughs> yeah, off. yeah, exactly. Until he rubs everybody the wrong so, way, and then they run him out of town. A, a, well, kinda. So okay. he's a good teammate. Uh, but he doesn't really get along. Like, he's not friendly. He's a leader, but he's not friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pest, but his play on the field backed up his mouth. Okay. So he's good. As I thought. Or as you know, <laughs> the story kind of leads you to believe. Yeah. So in one case, he went above and beyond protecting a teammate. 
fighting a mob of fans who attacked one of the Harrisburg players. Um, <laughs> Why are fans like continuously raiding the fields in these days? No, so did well, they have it, guns they, this time? No, they didn't. How no, many they guns? Didn't. No, no guns. So just like uh, just like the terrible Tim Hurst episode, uh, they actually thought he was an umpire. So this is off. They the thought field. Brown yeah. or Burns was a no, no, no. Let me let me straighten this out. Oh, for you. right, so, right. So because Burns defended this guy. This is a book I'll be referencing uh, a lot. So. Uh, In Once Upon a Team, the Epic Rise and Historic Fall of Baseball's Wilmington Quick Steps by George, or sorry, by Springer John, I almost said George Springer, (laughs) by Springer John, John writes, the Harrisburg pitcher who'd been mistaken for an umpire attacked by fans after a game in 1883, drawing the avenging fists of Burns. Okay. So... Burns was basically this guy's leaving, and they're like, "That's the umpire. That's the um. Get him. He's yeah, not the ump. So don't Burns, touch him. Burns is the leader. He was probably he probably hated his teammate, but you know went to his defense. Okay, uh, and so uh, fought honor. off a mob of fans. Yeah, it was pretty cool of him. So Burns joined the Wilmington Quick Steps in 1884, the year after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they but, liked his style. Yeah, but he left after two games. Two games. Apparently. so That's a quick rub. Yeah, so after they, they were in the Interstate organiza- Association, sorry, and that reorganized, and the Wilmington Quick Steps joined the Union Association, and Burns jumped ship uh, because of turmoil, and I guess he just thought, and I'm pretty sure he thought he could get more money elsewhere. Okay. Um, so Burns had used the reorganization to find a new home and a bigger paycheck. Many of the players no longer felt bound by their contracts, and Burns went from the quick steps to the Baltimore Orioles of the American Association, which more than doubled his salary to $900 a month. And this was Good just at him. like 19. 19- 20 he begins his major league career mm-hmm. so he's like oh these guys are changing organizations whatever my contract's void i'm out of here right so that's what he was saying and the baltimore when is this? this is in uh, 1884 oh okay yeah right that's so so baltimore orioles of the american association uh yeah so He's got a big mouth, but now he's got a bunch of cash. Uh, he, he had two hits in his Oriole debut and hit a homer in his second game. Nice. Joe Simmons, the owner of the Quick Steps, pleaded with Baltimore to give back Burns, but it went to no avail. Uh, from then on, Burns was a big leaguer. Uh, at the age of 19, he was the youngest player on the team and one of the youngest in the whole league. Nice. So he impressed with his bat and his tenacious style of play right away, although it seemed as though he started off as a pitcher. Burns only pitched nine innings of that first year over two appearances, but he did make 24 appearances in right field, 10 at third base, and one at second base. At the plate, he batted left and collected 141 plate appearances, walloping the ball in his part-time role. He led the team in home runs with six, while also collecting six wow. triples and putting up an 890, and then, and then, 890 OPS, which is an eight, or sorry, a 181 OPS plus considering the time period. So he 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 did that well, and he was they still only let him have 141 well, plate appearances. He's 19. I know, right? but, but they're still, they're easing him guess, in. Yeah. They're easing him in, right? Guess, and yeah, he was this also, time too. Is the, the idea was to be. Uh, 
it was a manly sport, so he wouldn't have been as manly no, as some of the no. older players. Even so. though he's got that mustache. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so Burns got uh, more of a role in 1895, or 1885, sorry. Okay, I uh, would hope so. Yeah, so... <laughs> So yeah, he led the team in home runs in like 120. <laughs> That's what I'm appearance. saying. Like, okay, but especially well, on the he's mound. only 19. Well, so I think they saw him. They're like, all right, we'll bring this guy in. We'll put him there, but he's kind of a pitcher, but we don't really have. So we'll figure out a way to get him in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in the, enough, the yeah. next year, he's on the mound a lot more. He pitches 105 uh, and two thirds innings over 15 appearances. That included 11 starts. He put up a respectable 3.58 ERA. Uh, and at the plate, though, he suffered a sophomore slump. So it might have been a little bit smoke and mirrors there. Well, and now he's got to focus on more. being a pitcher yeah. as well. So he got in three. In a much more predominant role. Yeah. So just under 350 plate appearances. Um, but he only put up average numbers and his power and on base percentage slumped. So a little bit of sophomore slump, but his pitching's good. Okay. Um, Baltimore was unimpressed uh, with his play, though, and they sent him down to the New York, Newark Domestics of the Eastern League, where Burns helped the team win the pennant in 1886. So, right, so he's still doing good down there. He's doing good down there. Uh, he returns to the Orioles with a vengeance in 1887 and smashed the cover off the ball. Now he's back, and he's just fucking hitting. So in 140 games, he collected 188 hits, including 33 doubles, 19 triples, which was tied for first in the league and nine home runs, which was third best in the league. Remember home runs. If you hit double digit home runs, you were a King back then. Yeah. Uh, He had 99 RBIs and an on base percentage of 414. Holy. Yeah. So he's absolutely a star. Yeah. Uh, but at the same point on the mound, his time was basically up. He got rocked over just uh, 11 innings of work and Baltimore would only ever let him get five more appearances on the bump uh, in the following year. Uh, but basically his time on the mound was done. Was finished. Okay. Yeah. But he could fucking hit. Yeah. Yeah. So Burns Don't was named... Burns named team captain, which we talked about. He's only like 22, 23 at this point, right? He's team captain, but the honor was rescinded after he threw uh, the ball at the opposing pitcher following a ground out. Okay, so short fuse. (laughs) Short fuse. He chirps. He just like gets into these positions of, you know, power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they just give him too much power, clearly. Absolutely. Well, I'm the captain. I can just throw the ball at whoever I want. (laughs) (laughs) It takes it seriously. Role model. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So Burns was fined $25 for this. Uh, (laughs) See, by the things you should know about Burns and by all accounts and we've kind of gone over this before but basically he was a loudmouthed asshole who just was questionable in many of the things that he did Uh, he was said to have like what like so far he just seems to be like you know kind of a jerk but like well that's the thing so he's just like so this is this is the quote he was said to have a loud irritating voice with a personality to match it so he's just he's just kind of that guy that just like makes everyone uncomfortable and he's just so I'm yeah. not yelling I'm this not is yelling. just how I talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> just just absolutely be like, "Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, uh, yeah, you want to see my dick?" Like just like a weird guy that just makes everyone uncomfortable. That's very weird. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I'm not saying he said that, but maybe he maybe did. Maybe he did. You'll get to know more of his weird behavior as things okay. go. 
Um, so <laughs> it seems very out of left field. Remember the loud, irritating <laughs> voice. So in 1888, Burns started out again uh, with the Orioles and put up decent numbers at the plate. But on August 10th, 1888, uh, he was sold uh, from the Baltimore Orioles to the Brooklyn Bridegrooms. And sold is kind of with an asterisk here uh, because Harry Vonderhorst actually owned both clubs. So, oh, okay. He, so, he was kind of shuffling money around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like taking money out of one pocket, putting it in the other, sort of. Yeah, but the other it's thing weird is weird that the dude whose name is Wonderhorse owns Wonder- the bridegrooms. <laughs> Vonderhorse. But yes, so he. We know t- what your name really is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing. So he was either shuffling things around for his clubs or Burns had pissed off the brass with the Orioles to the point uh, where they were like, please get this guy out. out Yeah. So he's like, oh, I know what I'll do with this guy. I'll just sell him to my other team. Yeah. Um, So uh, an unknown Orioles teammate said to the press when Burns was sold to the bridegrooms, personally, I like Burns, but it was a good thing that he was released. He was a disturber and one of the worst that ever played ball. His disposition was very bad and he made it unpleasant for any of the boys that crested him. He was what you would call a bulldozer. McGonagall, McGonagall, who is the bridegroom's manager, Bill McGonagall. McGonagall may be able to handle Burns, but I doubt it. So that basically... So wait, hold on. So that's his... like He's like, I like him. But he's but he's absolutely awful. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bulldozer and like hold he, on. Also, yeah. what year was this? This is uh, this is eighteen eighty eight. What year was the bulldozer invented? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. That is a <laughs> that is something I did not think of before. <laughs> But maybe like, well, maybe a bulldozer is like a, a term, like maybe we call a modern day bulldozer because, you know, there was actually bulls pulling a dozer. <laughs> it was invented in 1904. Oh! So, wow, okay. All right, yeah, well, questionable history here. <laughs> I found this no, quote. No, bulldozer on, is obviously something yeah, else. Yeah, no, I found this quote on multiple sites. So, um... <laughs> But I, I, the one thing here is a new his, format. <laughs> his disposition was very bad, and he made it unpleasant for any of the boys that crested him. I like that. That it says to me him. exactly. Uh, crested to me like means like rose above him, right? Like, oh, like right, okay. the cresting of a wave. Like if they got, if they did better than him, right, he made so he's it a jealous. He, he's, he's a jealous, jealous ass, but he's a bulldozer. That's what I mean by the dick comment. Like it was just like he like comes in. You're talking about like yeah, man, I had a great sleep last night, and he just bulldozes his way into the conversation with Well, him. I had a better sleep yeah, than you. Exactly. I'm the best sleeper. Hey, I saw you had two home runs yesterday. Go fuck yourself. Like <laughs> It's not going to happen again. I'm your captain. <laughs> um, so, Bill Gunner McGunnigal. So, Gunner is his nickname. But uh, Bill McGunnigal, well, I'll just call him Gunner, uh, was, uh, he was the new manager at the time when they picked up Burns, and the team was chasing the pennant. It may seem strange to bring in a loudmouth asshole during a pennant race, but the bridegrooms were in a pickle. Team captain and league leading hitter Dave Orr was suspended for monkey shines uh, at Coney Island Amusement Park. Excuse me? For for what? For monkey shines. For monkey shines. Monkey shines, by definition, 
which of course I had to look up. Of course you did. Um, is by definition mischievous behavior. Mischievous behavior. Monkey shine. <laughs> monkey shine. So Dave Orr, mm. team captain. I have. A, I'm really questioning. How people were picked as team captains back in the day. <laughs> just, so, so they got a different captain. Now he's in trouble for monkey shining? Is yeah, no, saying? no, no. He's on a new team now. Oh, okay. And he was brought to the bridegrooms. Right. Because the Sorry. bridegrooms are really injured. And their captain, Dave Orr, has been monkey shining it up. Okay. <laughs> um, so Orr had claimed to be suffering from joint pains and could not play. But when a team doctor showed up to his house... Uh, the landlady told him or was at Coney Island. So ah. then the team like investigated and like he was on a date at Coney Island. So that was like the mischievous. He was being like, I, I think there was some scandal that he was like, Oh, a woman. But like at the same so point, he was it having was, a, so I don't know if it was an affair, but basically he was lying to the team about okay. where he was. And that's called monkey. That's shines. monkey shines. Apparently. I'm going to look that up too. No. Um, uh, anyways, so Burns was brought in into an emergency situation, but within a month um, of Burns' arrival, uh, the bridegrooms would fall out of contention, mainly due to the injuries piling up. Uh, I think this included Burns. I think Burns got hurt, too. So everyone's hurt. Al May, bridegroom's pitcher, uh, got cholera. So he couldn't pitch. He got cholera. <laughs> that, that's how bad these guys injuries. Like you look at the major league baseball today, and say. you're like, you're like, ah, oh, glute strain. Uh, they- Jacob Degrom <laughs> is out this week with uh, dysentery. Back <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's just, we got some monkey shines going on. <laughs> Al's got cholera. Someone's got sepsis and gangrene. <laughs> um, we brought in. We brought in Burns. <laughs> he's a prick, but like he can play. But he's hurt now. <laughs> Um, so they finished second uh, to a very respectable 88 and 51 record, um, but we're still more than six games back of St. Louis. Uh, McGonagall's replacement uh, was being floated in the press as the season came to an end uh, and the players returned to their offseason jobs. So McGonagall is like in a hot seat here. It's a really weird situation where his team's say, good. Like, they did pretty good, but yeah. he's like out the door. Well, he's not, he's still the, he's still, but they're talking about it. Like the press and stuff are like, Oh, he messed up. They were in first. And everyone's like, we literally got cholera. <laughs> like, yeah, like- <laughs> uh, so the team's in turmoil a little bit, uh, but the end of the year and everybody goes back. So at this time, everybody has jobs in the off season. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Can you guess what Thomas, Burns's job was well oysters I guess yeah <laughs> oysters right so he was apparently and I say apparently because this is a little bit contested so maybe yeah, that's why he's so angry yeah <laughs> so he's a shellfish a shuck fucking oyster yeah he's a shellfish salesman in the off season and when people found this out uh the name stuck uh, also, he just seemed to like oysters, so maybe this was a passion project like of his. Like yeah, he liked them? he liked oysters, so right. his fondness of the mollusks, in part, are the reason why to this day, we are talking about oyster burns. Oyster burns. So, okay, yeah, Thomas P. Burns. From now on, I'll be just referring to him as Oyster yeah. Burns. So I'm that is a weird nickname. I'm surprised I like. It's such a weird nickname. I'm surprised I never. Heard Would of you it. want to make it weirder? Sure. To this day, or to make this nickname even more strange, 
He was never called this nickname to his face, apparently. Why not? Well, one account I read claimed that actually, uh, nobody actually called him Oyster during his playing career, but the label was given to him to distinguish him from another Tom Burns (laughs) who played in the same league at the time. At it, the same time. Yeah. So, it, once again, in Once Upon a Team, the epic rise and historic fall of baseball's Wilmington Quick Steps by Springer John, John writes, there, there are no known contemporary references of him being referred to by that name during his career. What? It is likely that Oyster was assigned to him by historians to distinguish him from the other Tom Burns. Why would they need to do that? <laughs> Have they done that for anybody I else? It's just like, you're I like, like, there's several yeah. players with the same like, name. Just, just like an old man. They're like, you're like, yeah, I played on the Bradcombs. Like, oh, you're Oyster. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's ever called you that yeah. before. And all of a sudden. It'd be like someone. Yeah. I'm just like an old man. Like, yeah, I used to play for this organization. They're like, Oh, you're shellfish to Corey. <laughs> So, um, in 1889, uh, Oyster Burns solidified himself in baseball history and undoubtedly was a star on the rise. His pitching days were behind him, as we discussed. He could just focus on hitting, and he could certainly do that. In 131 games, Oyster Burns collected 153 hits and got 100 RBIs for the first time in his career and scored over 100 runs. Nice. He, became, he became a crowd crowd favorite uh, in play playing in Washington Park in Brooklyn and the people in the Flatbush neighborhood considered him one of their own uh, the bridegrooms didn't fall short in 1889 that year they won the American Association pennant by two games over the St. Louis Browns who were on fire down the stretch winning 11 of their last 12 games but the bridegrooms held their own going seven and three in their last 10 to clinch the pennant the nice. Brooklyn Bridegrooms and Oyster Burns were going to the 1889 World Series against their Crasstown rivals, the New York Giants. Of course. So, so yes, we've talked about this so, team. So he's been there for a few years now. Yeah. Okay, so he's not rubbing people the wrong way yet. Yeah. Okay. So led by Oyster and Hub Collins at the plate, the Bridegrooms took no an... No one ur- has normal names. Nobody has... No, no one has normal Oyster names. Oyster and Hub. Oyster and... <laughs> 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 so, the, yeah, the Bridegrooms... It's a nine-game World Series, first of all. Nine-game World Series. Uh, so the Bridegrooms take an early lead. Burns hit a ball deep into the night to clinch game four, 10-7, to seven, in a game that was called because of darkness after six innings. But it gave the Bridegrooms a three-to-one series lead. Six innings? Yes, darkness, baby. It was 10-7 after six innings. That's a long game. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they're up... Still, I feel like like most of the time it was afternoon. What, I wonder what time that game started at. It'd be know, like man. a four o'clock start. <laughs> I don't know. An hour it's that. fall, so the sun goes true, down early. True, Yeah. It's, it's in the northeast. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, they're up 3-1 in the World Series, best of nine. Then they fall apart. This was probably one of the worst collapses in World Series history, even though it's not modern-day World Series. Honestly, we could probably do a whole episode on it. Uh, and looking back at the scores and stats, it really feels like the pitchers let the bridegrooms down. In Game 5, they allowed 11 runs. Game 6, Ooh. it was an 11th-inning heartbreaker that they lost 2-1, to one, thanks to Giants shortstop and friend of the show, uh, John Montgomery Ward. Oh, uh, so the ter- the series is now tied at three games apiece, and it kept getting worse for the bridegrooms. They allowed twenty seven runs over the next two games, and ended up losing the series six to three. Adonis Terry, 
<laughs> Once again, no one has what normal names. Adonis <laughs> Terry, uh, the bridegroom's second best pitcher, had a terrible World Series. Who's Kevin- their best pitcher, <laughs> Zeus? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, he had a terrible World Series. He gave up 25 earned runs over 37 innings pitched uh, and walking oh. more batters than he struck out. Uh, he was a black hole at the plate as well, having only three hits, all singles in 18 ABs. So I don't know why, but I really, really, Adonis Terry, you fucked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this isn't about you, but I'm no, just, but you're the reason Oyster Burns suit. didn't win a World Series. Um, Oyster Burns, oh, sorry, Oyster Burns, though, did have a pretty good World Series. In the nine games, he hit two home runs with three doubles and 11 RBIs. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Very good yeah. World Series for Burnsy. Yeah. Uh, Burns returned home after the World Series, of course, to sell shellfish and eat oysters because that's what he did. Um, during the off season, baby. yeah, but during the off season, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms changed leagues, so they went from the American Association now to the National League. All right, okay, yes. So. Now they, you know, same team, and different he league. Went with them, yeah, of course. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't the same as the quick steps, like changing the whole thing. It, right. it just they're just in a different major league now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1890 was a huge year for Oyster. He would set the National League on fire and return to the World Series, and this time he wouldn't lose. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, so he led the league with 13 home runs and 128 RBIs. That's for the season. Yeah. Once again, he scored over 100 runs as well. Uh, really fucking great power numbers for that time. Burns was featured in an article of in Sporting Life magazine early in 1890 season. The Bridegrooms had just scored six runs to get within one of what was a very big lead by the Reds, and Burns was getting fired up. T. Oyster Burns <laughs> let out a war whoop after the scoring of the six. That started the ru- the rivets in the that started the rivets in the opera chairs. Oh no, we never could play ball in this town, he yelled. But the whoop died into a groan after the slaughter of Lovett, who was the Bradgroom's pitcher. Right. The Reds went on to score eight in the bottom of the inning, and the Bradgroom's lost. In another issue, July. In, in the July 19th issue of Sporting Life, 1890, Tom Burns of Brooklyn isn't the best captain in the world, but he works hard for his club's success. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're saying... So like, he's getting... He com- this, so he had this big war whoop after... <laughs> after they got with... It was like 11 to 3, and then they got to within 1. Yeah. And, and he's used, all like, fired up yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so then- I, I'm betting somebody was yelling something that you guys can't play ball in this town, and then he was like, oh, no, we can't play ball in this town. We'll show you. Yeah, exactly. And then, okay. Yeah, but I just love the, the other Sporting Life article. Just like, Tom Burns of Brooklyn isn't the best captain in the world, but he works hard for his club. Right, success. I was gonna comment. So on that's that what I mean. Too, like, like he's a saying. hard. He's like an asshole, a prick, but he's a hard worker. Yeah. He wants to win, and work hard. He did. So the Bradgrooms won the league in their first year in the NL uh, with a record of eighty-six and forty-three, beating out Cap Anson's Cubs by six and a half games. The Bridegrooms mm-hmm. this time were to face the Louisville Colonels. They're the uh, also uh, only team to ever win back-to-back pennants in different leagues. That's true. Yeah. 100% true. Um, so, yeah, they, they went on to face the Louisville Colonels in the World Series. And uh, as I said, they don't lose this time. 
but they don't win either. So, uh, they, oh, as we right. said in a previous episode, uh, that the Boston Reds of the Players League were probably the best team in baseball yeah. at this time, uh, but that didn't matter. Uh, and the series didn't start until late October. So this is the bridegrooms and the Louisville Colonels. It started October 17th to be exact, and the weather was shitty and slowly got worse as the series progressed. So in the first inning of game one, uh, our boy Oyster went deep to give the bridegrooms the lead and the game and the game. They went on to win uh, nine to nothing. Brooklyn won game two. But the teams tied at seven in game three, which ended after the eighth inning. I'm assuming due to weather or lack of sunlight. Yeah. So Louisville came was back. That in, was that in Louisville or New York? I don't know. <laughs> Louisville came back to win game four, but the bridegrooms then took game five. So they're up three to one series lead, even though there's a tie in there. So it's like three to one to one. Um, once again, they were one win away from a title. But Louisville stormed back, led by Harry Taylor and Chicken Wolf to win game six. <laughs> And there's a Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor. Just stop. Chicken Wolf. Never mind Harry Taylor. Chicken Wolf, man. Chicken Wolf. Yeah, he's on the list. He'll get an episode. His name is Wolf? Chicken Wolf. Like with an E? No, like Wolf. Like the animal. Like the bird and the the canine. Okay, okay. Is a real thing. You, are you verifying I, that I don't I, just make up names when well, I do 1800s episodes? I just wanted to see if a baseball player came up if you Googled <laughs> Chicken Wolf, and it does, but uh, uh, there's, it's also a song by Steppenwolf. Absolutely. Probably about the great, uh, you know, Louisville Colonel, Chicken Wolf. <laughs> um, so we'll do a Chicken Wolf episode with some Steppenwolf people. Um, so the weather was so bad at this point. They lost game six. So, the, yeah, they lost game six, nine to eight. And then so it's three to two uh, series lead. Uh, so both managers agreed that the weather was so bad that even if the series was tied after game seven, there there was going to be their last game and mm-hmm. they'd figure mm-hmm. out the championship game yeah. later. Um so the bridegrooms lost six like to two. It's supposed to be fourteen inches of snow next week. Yeah, I'm not playing. <laughs> so the bridegrooms lost six to two in front of their home crowd, and once again the bridegrooms had blown a three to one series lead. Mm. The World Series Brutal. finished in a tie, due to the turmoil caused by the players' league and the infighting and between claiming players back and forth after the players' league folded between the NL and the American Association. The one-off championship was never held in 1891. So. So never, that never, was the World Series resolved. time. Yeah. So Oyster and the whole bridegroom's lineup were a bit anemic during the series. Oyster only collected six hits in 27 at-bats, uh, but his game one home run was the only four-bagger of the series. So that, to me, just emphasizes how badly uh, everything was. If there's only one home run in a seven-game series... Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Pretty so, dead ball. Yeah, Oyster would never get back uh, to the World Series, and the bridegroom's years of contention faded. McGonagall was fired, being the only manager to be fired after winning back-to-back pennants. He is, so this guy couldn't, like, he was really on a hot seat. Yeah. You gotta win the pennant by 20 games or you're fired, McGonagall. Yeah, exactly. So John Ward uh, replaces McGonagall. Um, oh, yeah, interesting. Um, so John Ward replaces McGonagall, but the team would slowly fade after his after his spirit yeah. is defeated. Exactly and, uh, in his pursuit of a of a unified league. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and basically there was an incident that's pretty much sealed the fate of the struggling bridegrooms uh, in 1891 uh, that only could have happened in 1800s baseball. So Roger Collins of the Giants hit a short fly ball out to right field. Oyster, who was playing right field, Mm -hmm. and second baseman Hub Collins both sprinted towards the ball. Eyes up. John Ward hollered at his players to call for the ball and to distinguish who was going to get it. As you would. As you would. But a passing train at that exact moment made it impossible for the players to hear each other or their coach. Burns Burns and Collins collided at full speed in a collision that many claimed was the worst ever seen on a baseball field. Ugh. Collins got the worst of it and was knocked unconscious for several hours. 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 God damn. Burns was dazed and probably concussed, but was able to leave the field under his own will and take a cab home. <laughs> so he just took a cab <laughs> just, home. No hospital, just cab. Collins, uh, don't worry. I'll just have these oysters. I got a bunch. I got these oysters at home. Don't, I'll take that. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll just grab yeah, forehead like an oyster. Yeah. So Collins, of course, was unconscious for several hours. He had to be carried off Fuck. the field. He came to uh, several hours later, but never regained memory of the incident. So. Hub Collins, like just that incident, or well, probably that day. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't find too much into this. We had a conversation before this beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there was a few facts about that case, which I was trying to distinguish it what year it happened, but I was able to figure it out. Um, so you know, they they had two of their best players hurt. Okay. So they're they're they finished sixth in eighteen ninety one. Possibly because of this. Uh, definitely didn't help. It would have a hand in yeah. it for sure. So Burns was still a middle-of-the-order threat and put up similar numbers to his 1890 season, but his power dropped uh, going from 13 home runs to just four, probably because he couldn't see straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the next few years, he would put together some great seasons and even was the first Brooklyn player to hit for the cycle in the National League. In 1892, the grooms, as they were now known, were back in the hunt, and Burns was a hitting machine. The power wasn't back when it came to home runs, but he hit 18 triples and 27 doubles, which, surprisingly, he finished second on the team in each of those categories behind Hall of Famer Dan Browthers. Hmm. So, the grooms finished 95-59 and 59 record, but couldn't catch the Boston Bean Eaters, who won 102 games and the pennant. 1893 was... Should have kept McGonagall. <laughs> yeah. 1893 was the year that turned me on to Oyster, or the year that turned Eno Saris onto Oyster, who turned me onto Oyster. Uh, not because of his offensive prowess, but because of Tom Daly. Um, so Tom Daly, I hope I'm saying it right, it's D-A-L-Y. I would say that's Daly. 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 Daily? No, daily. Daily? All right. Uh, so remember, Burns is known as an annoying loudmouth that was generally disliked. Uh, the New York Clipper even described Burns as the noisiest man ever that ever played on the Brooklyn team. His voice reminds one <laughs> of a buzzsaw. Jesus, like the very fact that they're writing about it like must mean that it is very annoying and abrasive. Yeah. So he's annoying, and this is where his behavior comes in because his buzzsaw voice 
uh, is something. But what happens next goes way past being annoying and goes really into just stupid and idiotic. So <laughs> Tom Daly was arguably the groom's best hitter. They are pretty stacked. They got Browthers, they got Daly, they got Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but Daly's arguably their best hitter, 1893, leading the team in home runs, triples, RBIs, and walks. Even and as we know. Yeah, yeah. Even after... Oyster doesn't like that. Even after he does all of that in 1893, even after he misses a few weeks due to injury, because Oyster Burns stabbed him while he was sleeping. Excuse me? Yeah. So. <laughs> while he was sleeping. While he was sleeping. So it, 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 there's more to the story. There's more to the story. This is it's just incredibly 1800s baseball of any story. So it's July 4th. Independence Day. Uh, we're still a full hundred. I think he was gonna stab a guy because he was cresting him. <laughs> yeah. like, so fuck. we're we're full we're full a hundred and two years away from Welcome to Earth Independence Day, um, <laughs> July fourth, eighteen ninety three. Uh, in between games of a doubleheader in Chicago, Daly went out to center field for some solitude and rest, which is just kind of a weird thing, just to be like, oh, we got a couple hours in between games, I'm gonna go to center field and take a Nap. Didn't uh, seem that okay. Much of yeah. a bad idea to me. So he laid in the. Cool- I mean, the fans could attack you at any time. But, uh. <laughs> so he laid in the cool grass and began to doze off. Burns, for some reason, came upon his sleeping teammate and pulled out his penknife. He took the knife. And pressed it against Daly's leg. Hold on one second. Yeah, no, it's a pen knife. So it's, you know, it's like for like sh- doing stuff with it's your pen. It's for doing knife and stuff yeah, on but the it's, field? It's only a couple inch blade. Yes. So you're telling me that every baseball player these days is carrying around a pen knife? <laughs> no, back, you, well, back then maybe, but like it doesn't, I don't know why he had a knife. All right. You know what? It's not so, a good reason. Yeah. So he presses it into Daly's leg. Upon feeling a knife being pressed into your leg, uh, Daly awoke startled. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, As you would. So uh, he was startled. And when you have a very sharp blade against somebody and they become startled and awoken. Yeah. Yeah. They get stabbed. Jesus. uh, Upon... Yeah, so he awoke. Wait, startled. so he didn't like stab him? He didn't right like. Away? He, he was like holding it. He there was like then... poking. He was slowly. He was thinking about stabbing. Yeah, but so we'll get to that. Like, so shuck this guy yeah. like I do my <laughs> like oysters. An oyster. <laughs> Goddamn, that knee looks a lot like an oyster. Delicious, so, delicious oyster. So he awakes with a start, and he turns his leg into the knife, causing it to go deep into his leg, oh. severing a tendon. Oh. We can only imagine the scene, um, yeah. but no doubt Daly was quite upset being awoken from a beautiful center, center field slumber. He would just be upset getting awoken from a slumber, let yeah. alone fucking stabbing yeah. a leg. Yeah, so he, <laughs> by a knife, yeah, so he's awoken by a slumber, by essentially being stabbed in the leg. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's So he's bleeding everywhere. It's a whole me, Daly. <laughs> <laughs> so Burns swore... Burns swore he had only tried to prick Daly to see if he was really asleep, which is just... (laughs) I was just trying to see if he was... I was going to give him a little light stabbing to see if he was sleeping for real. Because I was like, hey, hey, Daly, hey, Daly, it's me, Tom. (laughs) Then I decided I'd just stab him. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> Luckily, so this is also like insane. So, you know, all, he another second baseman that's a good player that he puts out during a really important stretch because the bridegrooms were good at this point. They right. were 34 and 18 to start at the start of July. And remember, this is July 4th. starting to think this collision was more intentional. Well, the, colli- yeah, the collision was three year, two, two years earlier. But yeah, now it's July. Still. Yeah, the bro- the bridegrooms were, I believe, 34 and 20 at on July 4th. Like, I, I'm not sure if they won or lost the first game of this world doubleheader. But before the doubleheader, I think they were 34 and 20. So they're good. They're doing good. And then one of their best players gets stabbed. Um, And uh, he, he's out. He only misses like two, three weeks, which is pretty good for a stab wound. And cutting a tendon. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's like some of these guys wouldn't play. Like, Mickey Mantle's career probably would have been over, you know, if like just 50 years ago, if he had suffered. He got stabbed? No. (laughs) No. I would say like Mickey Mantle was like missing a part of his knee. But like, anyways, we're, we're not getting into this. Um, so, so Daly was stabbed, misses time in those two or three weeks he misses. The team absolutely plays like garbage, right? Yeah. Well, they're always looking over their shoulder for fucking Tom Burns. <laughs> He's going to stab them in the back. Yeah. Or not. So no one really knows, but the stabbing might have been the catalyst for the bridegroom or the grooms at this point to just start playing like absolute shit. Uh, the team went. I bet. 9 and 28 from July 1st through August 9th. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and finished well outside of the playoff picture. So yeah, they yeah. basically squandered their, they were like, you know, 12 games above 500 and just squandered it in a month and a half, mm-hmm. uh, where the beginning of which was a stabbing. Um, so Burns at this point was eating. Not exactly a galvanizing moment <laughs> yeah. for your team. Yeah. So Burns was into uh, the, the twilight of his career at this point, uh, what career he had. But he did have one last banger in the tank. Uh, in 1894, he went off at the plate. And although it was his second last year in the big leagues, he put up some of the best numbers of his career. Burns hit 32 doubles, had an on-base above 400. The grooms were an offensive juggernaut with seven position players playing in 108 games or more, and each of them scoring 94 runs. Daly led the team with 135. So his leg healed up. Next year, he was was good. He could run. Um, He collected... uh, uh, Yeah, and collecting at least 76 RBIs. So seven position players on this team, 94 runs or seven 76 RBIs. So that's a pretty, pretty juggernaut offense. Yeah. Oyster yeah. led the team with 109 runs batted in, uh, but the pitching let the team down. The team's ERA collectively ah. was 5.56 and the grooms Ooh. finished above 500, but well out of the pennant race. So they had a absolute juggernaut offense and terrible pitching. Uh-huh. Um, 1895 was the last year in the bigs for Oyster and it did not start well in his first 20 games. He hit just 184, uh, with just one extra base hit. He was sold, uh, to the rivals, the giants and put up solid numbers as a part-time player, uh, hitting 307 over 130 plate appearances and hit one last big league home run. After the 1895 season, Burns' contract was purchased by the minor league Newark Colts, who won the Atlantic League. Uh, Burns smashed the ball with Newark, hitting 378 with a 622 slugging percentage, and he even got a chance to pitch again. So he goes down. And this is the thing about Burns' career that, like, 
Like if he wasn't such a loudmouth asshole that accidentally stabbed people or like threw mm-hmm. the ball at opposing pitchers. Stabbed people. Okay, all right. It's it's questionable. He claimed it was accidental. He put his knife <laughs> to a man's leg. He was seeing if he was sleeping. There's no other way to wake a person naturally other than pulling out a knife. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But this is the thing, is is he's still like he's only well, how old is he? So this is eighteen ninety-five. So if we go back, so according to baseball reference, it's it's he's only 31 at this point. Yeah. So he could have had a longer career, possibly, but you know, eight by 1895 at 31, he's down into the minor leagues and he's raking in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh he's doing great, but he's done for his big league career. Uh so from there, Burns went on to be a player coach uh, of the Hartford Bluebirds of the same league, the Eastern League, or sorry, the Atlantic League, and led the team offensively. Finally, his career came to an end uh, with a stop as manager for Portland in the New England League. Burns' career in the major leagues spanned uh, 11 seasons and just under 1,200 games. He hit 65 home runs, had a lifetime batting average of 300 and had over 2,000 total bases. He also had 138 and two-thirds inning pitch with an ERA just above four, 4.09. Not too bad. Not too bad, but definitely the offensive numbers are great. Yeah. Uh, if we look at Burns' career through modern-day analytics, uh, he put up a 135 OPS plus and had a career war of 25.8. Yeah, that's that's over like ten years, so that's yeah. that's pretty good. That's yeah. not like Hall of Fame, but that's no, but that's that's you good. Know, you want that guy on your team? You wouldn't be sad to have that guy on your team if yeah. he wasn't a dick and stabbing guys. <laughs> I mean, so, he was by all didn't accounts sound like this. <laughs> by all accounts, not me. He was by all accounts a loudmouth, annoying turd who was reckless enough to stab his own teammate. But he was also a hard worker, a fierce competitor, a loyal teammate, and one of the best hitters of that era. So of like that decade, probably like 1885 to 1895, whatever, he was probably up there Mm -hmm. as one of the best. Just like his his childhood, I can't find much on Burns after he left baseball. He lived in Brooklyn until his death on November 11th, 1928, at the age of... 64 or 66 who knows um but springer john once again from uh, his book on the quick steps uh summed it up perfectly today nearly all references to thomas p burns list him as oyster burns which not if not exactly accurate upon reflection is an apt description of the hard-shelled and salty ball player yeah no kidding <laughs> so that was oyster burns yeah, that's an interesting story about a obviously crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just I like like something had to have happened to like he was just yeah. an asshole turd, but like it sounded like he was just a great ball player too. Yeah, but it, it's almost very skilled and well, just, and he has a shortened career probably because of his annoyingness and his his, like inability to like get along i mean you mentioned his his uh you didn't really use the word jealousy but like his jealousy for guys who were quote cresting him Mm -hmm. so um you know but it's it's odd because you know as his career went on there probably weren't too too many until the end anyway there probably too weren't too too many guys that were cresting him but you know 
Daly was one, and he certainly took care of him. <laughs> you seem to think he, this is more malicious than I did. You definitely seem to Why think. Why would he have a pen knife <laughs> on the baseball field? It was between games. Still. Why are you sleeping on the baseball field? Sleeping on the baseball field is infinitely more innocent than carrying a knife onto a baseball field okay. and then pressing it to the leg of your teammate. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I'm just going by the evidence that you presented before me. You beforehand like implied that this guy was had a bit of a jealous streak for players that were doing better than him, and then Daly was doing better than him, and then he stabbed him in the leg. What do you want? <laughs> Oh goodness! Well, that was uh, that was oyster, and uh, yeah, like okay, here modern day comparison, and it's not perfect. It's never perfect. Yasiel Puig. Okay, I I could see that. Yeah, like I mean, I don't think Yasiel Puig's gonna stab anybody. No, but no, no. But I just mean I know like, what you mean. In like, like career the... shortened because of his uh, because of his what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, his. Uh... I keep using the word abrasiveness, but I don't really think he's like abrasive. He's just kind of no, like the label, kinda, the g- label put on him by others. Like, I don't, I don't know what you, God. I don't know what you're looking for. I well, I'm <laughs> saying, I'm saying, oh man, this word. I, why am I so bad? I don't know. I don't know. You're okay, like fuck it. Having all these words escape you, but I know what you, I know what you're saying. Like, uh, being being a guy that just kind of for whatever reason seems to rub people the wrong way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I could see that comparison, but, uh, yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's classified as a jerk. So I think his career might've lasted a few more years if he wasn't that Mm -hmm. regardless. Yeah, the reputation. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> Jesus fuck. Okay. Um That's such a simple word. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like his labeling of his his, his yeah, attitude his labeling. labeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, uh, gonna, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been hot. I haven't slept well. All <laughs> right. So thank you, Eno Saris, for uh giving us the inspiration uh to to look that up. Um yeah, thank you so much. Give us a review, write a review or a rating or something like you know what on Apple Podcast. Just take it away, Spotify? Eddie. I'm yeah, done. Okay, yeah. No, I'm Sean. Yeah, you're done. No, I'll I'll call on you when I'm ready for that. Okay, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast. Give us a review, a rating. Uh, we really appreciate that kind of stuff. Of course, thank you for listening. Also, as we mentioned at the start of this episode, if uh, you're hearing this and you, you know, it, it's, you, you literally have no time, but follow at MLB 2 millionth on Twitter and uh, send us a comment about who you think is going to score the 2 millionth uh, run. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Until next time. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds. And we were doing baseball. This okay. was Oyster, baby. Okay, bye. Bye.